You're listening to the Pros and Cons Podcast with Chrissy and Aaron Kahn. Good morning. We are here at the CSB Studios recording our second episode of Pros and Cons. I am Aaron Kahn. I am joined by my wife, Chrissy Khan, and we will be talking with you today about just infertility, adoption, uh, and all the things that go hand-in-hand with those uh, subjects. Good morning, everyone. We are here with you. We're going to talk about infertility, how you know you are one in eight infertile couples, and what to do next. That's right. So, uh... We're going to go ahead and start off with some uh, statistics here from uh, the World Health Organization. Um, So uh, we're looking at 48 million couples and 186 million individuals that live with infertility globally. Um, And that's that's a lot. That's that's uh, quite a great deal larger of a population than some countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, uh, a, a, has a huge impact on so many lives, not just of the people who are experiencing the infertility, but the people who, um, are related to them, uh, just because, and I, I can tell you, um, my parents weren't too thrilled with our infertility journey. Uh, and, uh, Chrissy, your mother was <laughs> Well, not super happy about it either. My mom definitely wanted me to, you know, go through IVF and have my own child. And, you know, that's the thing about infertility is it really breaks down those beliefs that are within your family. Um, I know we talked about instant family last time. What I'm thinking of is I'm thinking of that dinner scene where (laughs) Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne tell the family they're considering not going through with adoption and they get to through foster care and they get to see their family's real reactions. And then they're so pissed. They're like, well, we're going to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And so infertility is a journey where you believe one thing about wanting to have kids in the beginning, and as you go through the process, that all gets thrown out the window. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And uh, 6.7 million uh, people in the U.S., um, which uh, are, are people are affected, which translates to one in eight couples. Um, and that's actually only increasing as time goes on. Um, and so, you know, what to do? What to do what do you do about this what are the solutions if there could be any um and, and so I, how do you know and how do you know what so where do you start um it's it's uh it's a mystery because like a lot of people don't even think beforehand like um before you get into a relationship before you get into uh a point in time where you actually consider the idea of having a uh, having a child you kind of just think it'll work. You kind of just think it'll work for you. Yeah. I mean, I know we were definitely guilty of that. And especially as a woman, you know, you have that idea in your head, like, 
oh, well, at age 31, I want to have two kids and be married for this song. That all goes out the window. <laughs> and then you, you start thinking as a couple, okay, well, we want to be financially stable. We want to be married for two years. To be honest with you, none of that matters because if you're struggling with infertility, your timeline gets completely messed up. So we were very newly married and definitely in that honeymoon stage, wanting to have a little version of the two of us running around. And we just decided to start trying and we thought, oh, it'll be no problem. Right. No, no, we absolutely we thought it was. Uh, gonna be in fact like super fast if if anything else we really thought you know uh the moment that you went off birth control boom it would just be like oh my god (laughs) we're pregnant child not even not even kind of (laughs) no and then i remember thinking like you know of course i made the mistake of looking up on webmd you know like what you you are very guilty (laughs) of webmdism hypochondriac over here (laughs) yeah so then i'm like okay well should we only eat our organic are we drinking too much should i not have coffee um so poor aaron had to deal with (laughs) a lot of those (laughs) trials um and finally you know and i was surprised because people are really quiet about this topic like This is not something that people want you to talk about. They think this should be private. You know, in fact, I just read a horrible comment on social media. If everybody knows Christy Teigen and John Legend, unfortunately, just lost their most recent baby. It was heartbreaking. That was. And, you know, I'm seeing her powerful words and the powerful picture of her in the hospital. And somebody had the audacity to comment. She needs to just be grieving this in private. Well, Yeah. Yeah. And so to be honest with you, when I started to talk about it, because I'm definitely the one that has the bigger mouth out of the two of us, when I started. (laughs) No. Yeah. When I started to talk about it, I got some feedback like that, (laughs) Um, you know, especially especially from I remember like one of my secretaries who's like real old fashioned being like. Well, you're not gonna you're not gonna post that, are you? Like you're gonna keep that private. What if you have another miscarriage? You know, like that's the thing about us is we're turning our mess, our journey into our message, and we wanna get it out there. That is so the plan. That's the idea. We tried, we tried for six months, nothing. A friend told me, you know, you really should go see your OBGYN and try to push for a sonogram. So thankfully, my OBGYN was my primary care doctor. And so then because, you know, when Aaron and I got married, he moved in with me, um, it became his doctor, too. So I remember going to her and saying, you know, we've been trying for this long, asking her all my WebMD questions. And she said, well, you guys are young and healthy. Give it more time. And usually that's what you'll hear from your doctor. And so when you're thinking about infertility as a woman, when you go to your OBGYN, you want to have the dates of your last six periods, any medications you're taking, any risk factors, so like any history of infertility. In my family, I know my grandma had um, two stillborns and a lot of difficulty getting pregnant. I know my grandma on my dad's side also, you know, struggled to get pregnant. And you were a preemie. Yes. And I was actually my mom's 
last chance, you know, at a baby. And if you know my mom, she will tell you the whole entire story. She does for me every single year. I love her. Every you know. <laughs> year. Love her. 931 is the date of my birth. Almost died. But that's a whole separate story. <laughs> so eventually after another six months. So now we're about a year into it. Um, I went back to my doctor again. I said, look, I want a sonogram. I want to see what's going on with me. She's like, well, probably nothing. But she finally relented and agreed to it. That same day, Aaron was also seeing her. And honey, do you want to convey that story <laughs> about Vera Casile? Do I want to talk about how our doctor uh, <laughs> fondled my balls and was basically just like, you've got some big old honking veins in there. <laughs> Which is called varicocele. Varicocele. It's um, that, and and effectively the only uh, side effect of said problem is infertility. That's and that's literally it. And this is this is something that like it it, it could have been around since I was literally like six years old. Mm -hmm. So uh, there was no way for our doctor to be able to tell. Whether or not it was um, uh, something that was a long term, or if it had just occurred, like you know, when I had gone through puberty and my boys dropped, uh, so there was no way to, to say like how much damage had been done mm -hmm. to uh, my sperm motility and uh, uh, population, which is which is to say how much. I had going on and um and frankly w when you get to the point where you're in your 20s damage is done uh yeah. so there's and there's there's no r reversing any of that but of course you know we were optimistic and whether you will admit to this or not when sure. you start having problems as a couple with getting pregnant you secretly start playing the blame game in your head like oh it's not my fault it's my partner's fault I, I, I actually always blame me. So, <laughs> well, that goes along with, you know, your anxiety. Yes, and <laughs> right. So, and, no, I and your own esteem I, issues. <laughs> exactly. One hundred percent. I was just like, this is my fault. <laughs> this is my fault. I'm horrible. Yep. <laughs> so um, it actually was both of our faults. It was somehow. <laughs> So once we found out he had varicose veins down there, of course, me being the problem solver I am, okay, what do we do? Because that's what's causing our infertility for sure, right? So the next step for him was he had to see a urologist because, of course, a primary care doctor does not deal with it. And he had to face the question as to whether he wanted to have them removed in an outpatient procedure or keep them knowing that it would affect the quality of his sperm. Um, and so we went, went to go see the urologist, which is another funny story because she was this drop-dead gorgeous blonde. You know, <laughs> she had, like, been on a cover of a magazine and had that in her office. And I'm sitting in the corner while he drops trowel and she oh, fondles his balls. Hold on. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I did not drop trowel. She yanked my drawers down <laughs> directly in front of you. And I was just like, oh, all right. Um, 
what uh how do i how does my body react to this and how did my body react to it <laughs> however you could expect <laughs> uh, the, the way that male bodies react to such a thing yes um, dear penthouse <laughs> 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 But so it was it was uh, but like the thing is is that like she was a she was a consummate professional and she was so great about the whole situation and uh she was just like yeah this, I I do this for a living this is this is like almost mechanics for me so right. I just very large varicocele though he had uh, yeah and uh, and that was absolutely um the problem that we faced and so we did decide for him to have the surgery to have it removed which was fine we were not told though that they could grow back no and they did almost <laughs> immediately so i went through a uh, uh it was admittedly an outpatient surgery it wasn't like it was um uh like a super serious situation they they kind of just like go over the the pelvic line and they kind of drag the um, the veins out from up there. Um, they don't even like touch your actual testicles. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's all upper pelvic area. So I was under I think for like maybe like an hour. Yeah. And and then you got to go home. And then I got to go home like immediately. And I will say, thankfully, you know, at the time we went through all this, we had very good surgery or not very good surgery. <laughs> we did have good surgeries, but we had very good insurance. Insurance. Oh, um, my goodness. Even with insurance, though, the cost was about three thousand dollars yeah, for it's, his it's surgery. So we were a little abnormal in the process because we figured out right away he had varicocele. When I finally had the sonogram done, even though the sonogram tech told me she was looking at me and everything looked healthy, and she just hoped she'd see me back for my sonogram for my baby, when the results came in, I actually had a very large uterine fibroid tumor. And so I remember saying to my doctor's office, okay, get it out. Get it out of me right now. <laughs> and they said, oh, I'm sorry. We don't do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you will have to go to a fertility specialist. And I said, what? Like, where why, do I... Why would that be? Right. Where but... do I start? Now, it could be if you have that problem that maybe your doctor does do that practice and you wouldn't have to start with the fertility center right then. In our case, we had to go through... I called my insurance. I said, please give me a list of fertility centers near me. It, it was a process to be able to figure out how to, how to tackle that situation. Right. It, it and was then... Not... Then I looked Spelled up ratings. I wanted yep. a fertility center close to me. I found one and a doctor who it was a smaller fertility center. Um, and she ended up being the one, you know, who did my surgery and was with us the most. And I will say, you know, they were amazing. Like we really did feel like they became family and and they were in it with us. So it's been it was a very long journey. But um, I was highly impressed with her surgical record. Um, when I met with her, you know, I had to get to know her and I will tell you women with fertility specialists, if you do not feel like you're being heard and
and you're able to ask the questions you want to ask through this process, you need to go to another doctor because it is just not worth it. You're going to go through so much. You really need to be able to trust the doctor. And men, you need to feel like you have a voice as well. Like you're not in this completely silent. So what ended up happening is then we started. This is step two. So step one, you want to meet with your primary OBGYN. They may direct you to a fertility specialist, maybe not. Guys, you want to go to a urologist. If you have the vein issue, you want to get checked out with your doctor first, and they will tell you where to go. But usually, when you say you're having infertility issues, you begin basic fertility testing. What that means is for the men, of course, your semen Semen gets analyzed. Analysis. Guys, (laughs) this is at least... You know, not the worst part of everything because you kind of get to just like jack off into a cup. And um, it, and if you're if you're going to a, uh, a good fertility center, it should be one of those situations where you're actually given like a kind of like room and then they give you material <laughs> for which to. Occupy yourself. Get you in the mood. Occupy yourself is probably the better way of saying that. Um, And then you you just, uh, you give your sample. And what you do, uh, and again, we were really lucky in that we've had good, um, uh, you know, I I, I guess we would say like fertility uh, clinics to be able to um, do this stuff in. You, you leave your sample on a table, and then you leave, and nobody looks at you. <laughs> that was very important that for was, you. Uh, well, I uh, not so much me. I mean, like, I actually wouldn't. I don't know. I, I didn't care that much. Uh, I was I, I actually kind of thought, like, as I was walking out, I was just like, you know, a lot of people are like, we all know what's going on, don't we? We all know what's happening. So, I don't know. Uh, all right. Pretty but much. If if <laughs> if you guys have an issue with it, that's fine. So semen analysis, what they t- uh, check for is your motility, um, your morphology, and uh, the actual um, amount of sperm that you're uh, producing. So when we talk about motility, we're talking about um, it's uh, the sperm's ability to move, and uh, generally speaking, just like how um, motile it is. Mm-hmm. Morphology means that it's shape. So when we're talking about its shape, that's actually a, a, a way under like rated idea of what it should be. Uh, morphology means it should be almost conical. It sh- it shouldn't be uh, like rounded. It shouldn't be um, square. Certainly, that would be odd or rectangular. And um, it, it should you should also have uh, 400 uh, I'm sorry 40 million parts per uh, like ounce was mm-hmm. um, I, I believe the like low normal and unfortunately my motility was really off uh, my guys like would barely twitch around like at all um, and I, I think I had like maybe 
I think you started at like nine percent. Yeah. I think over the years the best we got was fifteen with with percent, like, and they will give the guy like vitamins and things yes. to help try to boost. I I, I did take um, uh, pills to be able to increase my motility mm-hmm. and um, uh, the amount of sperm that I produced. Uh, and I, I think my morphology was fine. I don't think that was an issue. It was it was primarily the fact that they were kind of like DOA, dead on arrival. Yeah. Uh, and and then I had my own issues. And so, but even with that, I will say, you know, the science of IVF that we went through is pretty incredible. Yeah. What they can do. I mean, they can literally take like one sperm and, and, and make I'll, it work. I'll never forget what our... Um, uh, embryologist. Yeah, our, our embryologist, she, she took the best amount of the sperm sample that I gave and she said that she grabbed the ones that were I have no idea how she did this <laughs> um, but she grabbed the ones that she said were moving and and she she put them under a microscope and one by one they died and and there was one there was one guy she was just like he and then he twitched and I put him in there and I was just like one soldier <laughs> just just one <laughs> one soldier uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, sounds about right. So that is what the guy has to go through. Yeah, uh, and it, it can be it can be a lot for people who are um, for for guys out there who are a little shy. Um, you you better lose that shit real quick. I'm going to tell you <laughs> right now because there's no room for that in this game. Not at, at all. all. Not at all. And uh, for females, you know, we all know the monthly or the yearly visit to the OBGYN. I say monthly because I've been through so many procedures that, you know, that table and, you know, the stirrups. It was pretty cute in the beginning. I remember Aaron being like, oh, what are those stirrups for? Oh, well, you're about to see. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) And so the pelvic exam, the pap smear, that's the first part of it. But then you get to this torture device at least it was for me it's a torture process called the hsg and so in my case because i had a fibroid tumor i had to get an hsg and then a water hsg me not knowing what it was i think it's like a hysterectogram that's the technical name Uh, um i scheduled them back to back because you know I want to get this done so we can move forward. You know better now. Oh, yeah. So the first first HSG was in the hospital. I had to get in the lovely gown, and I'm on the cold table. And then I kind of felt like I was in that Friends episode where Ross had that weird mole, and the one doctor just kept <laughs> calling in the other doctor and the other doctor. And I oh, remember no. they're telling me to turn. As they're looking at it. And I'm so then I'm like on all fours, like on this cold table. And at this point, I think we have three doctors and they're like, oh, my. And I'm like, oh, is it gone? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> and you know, when you hear that from a doctor, like it's not good. So the location of my uterine fibroid tumor was like towards the back of my uterine cavity. And it was the size of a coconut. So that was great. Um, and then, you know, the water HSG was like the next day. So, of course, I'm an assistant principal at this time. It's the summer. I'm the only one in charge of the office. So 
I had someone come and watch the office on my lunch hour and Aaron takes me and I'm like, oh, babe, you know, just go pick us up some lunch at five guys. This will be fine. Well, I just ran over to five guys. <laughs> uh, I was just like, oh, it's, yeah, no, no problem. Nice, nice little lunch for us. Afterwards. And then I'm on the table and now I have the male doctor at the fertility center and he's, you know, doing his thing. And I, it is so sore and so painful. And he's like, where does it hurt? And I'm like screaming and I scream. I'm like, everywhere. It hurts everywhere. And so poor Aaron <laughs> got a call. <laughs> I, I got a call from my wife's cell phone, uh, but not from my wife. Um, <laughs> it was one of the staff members of the fertility center uh, who was saying, Oh my God, get here as soon as possible. Your wife is, I'm not going to say dying because that's not what they said, but they, they did say something to the effect of like, you, you just got to get here as soon as possible. And I was just like, come just, I, I just picked up a cup. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. All right. Fine. Fine. And then he walked fine. in and I think he heard me. I did. I walk <laughs> in and, and in the background, uh, I'm hearing. <laughs> It's definitely a con of a small fertility center. Everyone hears everything. Everyone, yeah, no, it's it's not big. It, it was a it was a single floor building. I mean, yeah. it, it, uh, so everybody and so like everybody in the waiting room. I'm I'm sure anybody who was a first timer there would have been like, nope. we have to go <laughs> nope. immediately. Yep. And <laughs> So, yeah, so that was a process, um, and it did come back. So after all that testing, it was decided we were both going to have surgery. You know, for fibroid tumors, you could have the the laser treatment or, you know, you could have the myomectomy, which is like going in for a C-section for a baby. Instead of a baby, I got a tumor. Didn't get to see it, but... Still had you to really be. wanted. You were so. I know. Well, it was a part of me. I mean, it's like it was growing inside were, of me. You were so adamant that you. That's wanted like the to only the thing. thing that's ever going to be able to grow inside <laughs> me. So you know. Anyway, so that was about a week, three days. I was in the hospital, and then I had a six-week recovery. Um, if you if you do have a uterine fibroid tumor and you are looking at surgery, the average cost for that with insurance is about twelve thousand dollars. Yeah. So, you know, it's still super expensive. It was a lot of money. Um, And I really just thought after that, you know, we were going to be set. Um, I remember my fertility specialist sitting me down at a follow up and saying, you know, she hands me this this. I still have this folder and it drives me crazy. It's a really cute baby on it. But I remember her handing me the folder and it had the cost of IVF, the process. And she's like, oh, I want to start you on meds right away to start the process of IVF. And I said, whoa, (laughs) you mean we're not going to be able to conceive naturally? And her exact words were, it is highly unlikely you will ever conceive naturally. And when you hear that as a woman, I don't know, it just it brought so many emotions. I remember going home and throwing that baby folder across my room and then I just I told her I was like look like if we can't do it naturally then we're gonna try to foster to adopt Um, but if you hit that point where you have done the basic fertility testing and your specialist or doctor says you need to continue on you will be given a couple options usually you have to start with IUI if you want to go through your insurance usually that has to be unsuccessful before they will pay for IVF. Honey, do you want to explain what IUI is? 
Um, it's I like the turkey baster. Right. It, it, it's effectively like the, uh, <laughs> turkey baster. I, yeah. <laughs> if if you know what a turkey baster is, you guys, uh, you know what we're saying. <laughs> So, except it's done by medical professionals and not actually a turkey baster. So, <laughs> but effectively, that's what we're talking about: taking the man gravy. Oh God, honey, I, gross! I'm so sorry. Thanksgiving, so I don't so think will ever be the same. Thanks so much for that, dear. I well, you know, that's uh, I'm not the first one to say it. Um, and then they they put it into a effectively a baster. And they just kind of insert it into the womanly areas and squirt it all up there, trying to assist uh, the the guys uh, down there who may not necessarily be the fastest swimmers. Um, yeah. They want to make sure that that like you know if if that's all they have to do. And, and again, we're we're talking about. Um, uh, insurance companies here so yeah. they don't want to have to pay for something that doesn't necessarily need, uh, to, happen. need to happen so and, and IVF is a lot it's a lot of drugs it's a it's lot very invasive. It's, it's very invasive um, it's a lot of testing and I'm telling you right now it's so many needles it's, yeah. it's so it's so many needles we you will guys. we will get to that dear but yeah. that, but that's what i'm saying yeah. like it's it's a lot to pay for so insurance companies don't want to have to pay for what uh what wouldn't necessarily have to have happen and some of them do want you to try iui a couple times a couple so of times it's, you're gonna want yeah. to if you've had the fertility testing you really want to get with your insurance and see what is covered what the process is um, in our case, IUI was not an option. They really felt like if we were going to continue with fertility treatment, it needs to be IVF. The other important thing to know, because I was really naive when we started, I thought, oh, you know, we'll just have to go one time. It'll work. We just need a little help. They have to get to know your bodies and what's going on. And so that's why there is so much testing. And a lot of the time, it's very rare for couples to conceive on the first the time first try. with IUI or yeah. IVF. Usually it takes multiple trials. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, actually, up to 30% of couples never find out why they can't conceive, which is really frustrating. Um, so part three is really know your options to begin fertility treatments. We stayed um, after our fostering to adopt failed. You know, we called the same doctor who did my surgery and we pursued our fertility options with them. We felt like we knew them. We had the relationship. And so we did start to explore IVF. Um, yeah. And we we did, we, we honestly, we did our best, our, our due diligence. It wasn't like... Um, we kind of like just quit, you know, we, we really did everything that we could, uh, on both sides to make sure that we would be able to, uh, conceive yeah. based off of the science that we were presented. And we really did, you know, have doctors explain everything in detail. Yeah. With oh us. yeah. Um, we and we did, we, we tried both. So as we were, we were struggling. So with our IVF process, 
Um, we had the first full round and that failed. And then we had, they changed my medications and mm-hmm. that was successful. And we ended up being pregnant. Um, I did have a miscarriage. Yeah. And then we had one frozen from that, yep. which they transferred. And I became pregnant again. I miscarried again even earlier. Um, so then we had to do a whole lot more testing. Um, and we came back to try to do one more round with them. And at that point, Aaron's varicocele had grown back. And yeah. so he really had zero sperm. Um, that is when we tried to move on to do adoption and embryo adoption, which we'll get into in a later episode. Um, but then a lot of people said, you know, give your body time, give it a rest. And, oh, you really just should have gone to the larger fertility center. You know, Shady Grove, they have so many babies. And my friends were so successful. You know, everybody had such good experiences. So I was like, you know what? I got to give it everything I have. So we gave it about two years. Um, and we tried Shady Grove. We did. And I will say their numbers were super impressive. They were the most up-to-date on science. Um, But for me, I really felt frustrated because I didn't have that same personalized feel. It really felt like I was going up taking a number at a deli counter. Um, So within the fertility process... It definitely felt like that when we were there as opposed to when we were uh, uh, over at um, uh, the smaller... What was the, the smaller agency called Mm, the fertility center of maryland yeah wasn't it yeah in towson yeah yeah and they were amazing shout out to dr bass love her dr bass was awesome still love her um okay so steps so again you make an appointment with your obgyn then you do basic fertility testing and then you want to know your fertility options to begin fertility treatment. And mm-hmm. that's where, who are you going to go with? Small fertility center, large fertility center. What specialist do you want? And then what option can you do? IUI, surgery, IVF, know your insurance. Yeah, that's going to be uh, a, a, a key point whenever you embark on this journey. If you haven't just already had a kid and that's just the way that your life is, uh, your insurance is obviously going to play a huge role in the way that you approach this. Because outside of insurance, unless you are exceedingly wealthy, uh, this is not something you can just like tackle financially on your own. Uh, and, And not all insurance cares about you enough to be able to supply you with the kind of insurance that we had. Right. Uh, and and now to uh, Chrissy's insurance. Cigna. Cigna. Love them. Which Amazing. they were they were phenomenal. And I could always call them and get someone. But I will say when you choose your fertility center, you will not be able to start anything until they sit you down with the Fertility Center Financial Advisor. Yep. So they will give you a stupid map. Which they have. They have like an entire office <laughs> in the do. back with literal like accountants. Yeah. So they will give you a stupid like map or a calendar that outlines the cost of what your insurance pays versus what you'll have to pay. Really take a look at that. I know we were so engrossed in getting started. It was just kind of like, oh, sign, sign, sign. And then you come back for your appointment. It's like, okay, well, that down payment will be like (laughs) $1,500. And in the beginning, we were so intimidated that 
you know, you just want to pay. You don't want everybody in the waiting room hearing your situation, which right. they all did in the smaller place. Yeah. Um, so, but you will really take a look at that financial situation. So hopefully we've given you some steps. Um, we could do a lot of pros and cons. We could do pros and cons with IVF. We could do pros and cons with each surgery. The pros and cons we decided to go with today were the smaller fertility center versus the larger fertility center. So, so babe, you want to take it away? I'll, I'll, I'll tackle the, the small f- fertility center. Uh, so uh, for, you know, any kind of like, so I, I hesitate to call it a, like a mom pop shop because it's, it's not that simple. Um, but for the small fertility center, uh, the pros, it is more personalized, um, and you you walk in there and um, you actually feel like you are being heard as a human being. Yeah. Um, on both sides, like guys and and ladies, uh, we're we're both um, like uh, I'll I'll never forget. I'm 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 always gonna bring this up. Seven round man. Oh God. Seven round man. <laughs> uh, he was like a superhero to me um in the earlier stages of uh the whole process um i would we were in the fertility center uh chrissy had gone into the back to do to do the egg retrieval which is a surgery yeah uh and 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 i was like up in the front like just like clutching my flipping face just feeling like a total loser that i couldn't be back there with her because it's a surgery i mean you can't be a husband and in the OR effectively. That's just ridiculous. Anyway, so I'm I'm in the the, the front area and 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 waiting, and I'm looking over uh, while totally freaking out at this guy who's just like he's got this hoodie on and and some sweatpants some sweatpants on, and he's just like kind of just like casually glancing at his phone, and, and I'm just like, you have no gut, no idea. You have no idea what you're in for. <laughs> and then Dr. Bass, Chrissy's doctor, uh, who she's not there for the OR uh, stuff because that's not her her gig. Uh, she she comes out front and she kneels in front of the guy and she's just like, "Your wife is going to be ready in just a couple of minutes." And I was just like, "Um, <laughs> who are you? Uh, who who are you? And and how?" He's just like, "Oh yeah." I've been doing this for like three years. This is my uh, this is our seventh round, and I was just like, "Oh God, yeah." She, I had no idea. Yeah, there are definitely warriors there, in that yeah. waiting room, and that, for sure. That guy is is I don't know his name. He will only ever be known to me, and I don't want to know his name. He will only ever be known as Seven Round Man, and he was awesome. And yeah. but that's what I'm talking about, because like because Doctor Pass, the like head doctor for. Uh, the clinic came out to him and like knelt down and was just like, your wife is ready for you. And it was just like, Oh my God. Like she, she cared enough to, to go out there and do that. You really felt like they shared your pain. Oh, so much. I mean, I remember I had a favorite nurse, um, you know, because I have very stubborn veins and, you know, I had only certain nurses who could take my blood, but I had my favorite nurse, um, and then, you know, I had the real matter of fact nurse and I remember saying, look, if our pregnancy test is negative or if we get any bad news, I want this nurse to call me. So I know, <laughs> so I can hear her voice. And 
I will say, like, they were devastated. Like, when we had miscarriages or things didn't work. So much so. And you want, at least for us, we wanted our doctors to feel that with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. that's something that we really missed it's, it's, at yeah, the bigger place. One, 100%. You, you, you want it to feel like it was a loss for everyone involved uh, that you weren't able to get pregnant, especially after a miscarriage. Um, and, and that's what happened. That's what happened with the smaller fertility clinic, which was the uh, Maryland Fertility Clinic, I believe. Fertility Center of Maryland. Fertility Center of Maryland. But there are cons with going with a smaller they, fertility there center. There are. They uh, actually, and and that's that's what is a little frustrating, because they don't get the 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 amount of funding that the larger facilities get. Uh, they may not be as up to date with the treatments that you uh, that that would be uh, more beneficial to you, um, and they don't always have the the numbers like the statistics uh, to be able to to give you the most accurate information about what you're going through. Um, especially in our case, because uh, they, they, they like just 100% could not figure out what was going on. Why it wasn't working yeah. or why it wasn't staying. Yeah. Um, and so when we go on pros and cons of a larger fertility center, yep. larger like fertility we said, center. we went yep. with Shady Grove of Maryland and they have amazing statistics. You know, if you ever Shady hear- Shady Grove is super like famous. Yeah. I mean, I still hear their commercials on Pandora. Yeah. Um, it's like all across the eastern millions of babies and um it makes me feel a certain way but anyway (laughs) um they get a wider range of testing and results so i remembered our initial consultation with shady grove just uh what they told us they could find out with the testing initially was different than what we had heard um and so like i said better statistics more available testing, a wider range of knowing maybe why you can't conceive, which yeah. for me, I really did want to know what was going on. We never really got an answer. Um, the cons were you feel like you're just a number in a deli counter. It's not personalized at all. No. I remember being in Shady Grove in an appointment and being called by their front office about a billing issue. And I was like, are you serious? Like, I'm actually sitting right here. You could have just come to talk to me about this. It could have waited. Right. <laughs> you for, know, for just until a moment. Maybe I had this speculum right, right. out of my hoo-ha, you know. But, um, and As it, all the giant <laughs> silver materials right. were being disappeared. And it can be more expensive. Um, so if you have been following yeah. our journey... We break this down even further in my second book, Baby Bankrupt. Um, And I do have our actual last bill from Shady Grove. So it's like, oh, it didn't work, but here's a bill for you, outlining everything. (laughs) Regardless of that, give us money. (laughs) Right. So we hope you enjoyed our second episode. We are going to be back with you to talk more in depth about IVF, embryo adoption, if there's anything you want to know about, please reach out to us. Um, you can find us on our, our Facebook page or you can find us on the YouTube channel. We really love to hear from you because we know one in eight. That's a lot of people. It's going on one in people. six. Yep. And everybody has a story out there. And, and um, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tackle this in the, uh, a later episode uh, that's going to probably handle... Um, more about the the male infertility stuff. Um, hey guys, uh, if your dad went through um, the IVF process, uh, he may have actually passed on to you 
um, uh, by which I mean he was birthed via uh, the IVF process. He he may have actually passed on to you the inability to uh, conceive. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. I I was just like, well, my dad wasn't because he's one of three, but you know that's we're we're currently in a in a way different day and age. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. All right, guys. So this has been uh, Aaron and Chrissy Khan on episode number two. Uh, this episode brought to you by um, the CSB and our Connecticut School for Broadcasting. They are so phenomenal. And we're so blessed to have this studio time. Absolutely. So thank you for being with us. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. All right, everybody. Be good to one another. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world.